and welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritchie and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the land where this conversation takes place, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Paola de la Pena. What started as a blog and a way to connect to her family, friends and home country Argentina has become a thriving business for Paola. Paola makes the famous Argentinian sweet treat, Alfajore, and sells them online through her site in Casa Cooking Space and in markets around Melbourne. She also makes beautiful rustic cakes based on recipes from her baker grandmother. I sat down with Paola on a very hot day in Brunswick, Melbourne and learned about a lot more than just Alfajore. Paola explained the geography of Argentina to me, as well as the importance of dulce de leche in the culture and lives of Argentinians. She also gave me a box of the Alfies to try. I'm a big fan of caramel, and the dulce de leche is next level delicious. Ideally, you too should grab a box to sample while you listen. But if you don't have any now, you'll definitely be hopping on her website after and ordering them. <laughs> Enjoy. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Lovely to meet you as well. Um, on a hot day, not a hot Melbourne day. I know. That's why we are enjoying some ice drinks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're from Argentina. Yes. And when did you come to Melbourne? I've been here um, eight years actually. I think this week is my anniversary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy yeah. anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I've been here just a little bit longer because I came in 2011. So I think it's, oh, yeah, yeah. it's going to be 11 years this year. It was year. 2014 when I landed. Yeah, right. January 2014. Wow. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning because I know Ooh. your family is quite a foodie family. Yes. You've got some bakers and some chefs, have you, in your family? Uh, yeah, baker. Uh, my grandma was a baker. Um, she was mainly focused on birthday cakes mm. and then she was also baking and cooking you know for family we have a, an Italian background very strong Italian background oh. as my last name says uh, so also food and cooking itself is yeah. very big in my family my dad cooks a lot and that's sort of what really bombs us nowadays so we share recipes and he's just like oh I found this video or this trick or, so it's very important. Yeah, it's amazing. Because I think, for, you know, in many cultures, food brings people together, and it does here as yes. well. But it, but I feel like in slightly a different way, as in as a, yeah. a white, you know, no, Anglo no. woman. I sometimes feel like you know, Mediterranean or you know, Spanish yes. families or South everything American. Everything is, is very yeah. Everything's yes. around food. It's like if you are sad, you cook, yeah. and if you're happy, you cook. Yeah, and yeah. lunches last like four hours and. Dinners, you have like pre-dinner and dinners are very late, so you stay up late. Yeah. And yeah, food is like a really big component, I think, because my background and Argentinian background, the immigrants that came, the majority, were from Spain and Italy, which is two cultures that food is very strong yeah, component. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, and I sort of learned that or became very aware of that when I moved to Australia. Okay. Because I started meeting Spanish people and Italians, and then I actually started seeing my own culture from afar. 
I think that's really interesting, and that's what um, Esker, who I was saying I spoke to, um, he's from Borneo, and he came out here when he was 15 wow. to, to Australia, but he, um, he said he didn't really, you know, when you're 15, you just take things for granted mm. in your in your town, in your yes. country, but um, he learned more about his country from being away, and I think that's sometimes because you've got that comparison of a new culture, yes, maybe, as exactly. well, and then, as you say, meeting other people. Meeting, and I did a bit of teaching here, so also having to explain or teach different even cultures within South America for instance mm. Argentinian is not the same as Chile or Uruguay or, so that was very interesting and also from the food point of view right yeah yeah, yeah. I love it <laughs> what are the I mean Argentina is a big country so it is big so it is uh, when I was teaching, I had to learn this. It's three times uh, smaller than Australia, let's say. Okay. That does make sense. So yeah. in Australia, three Argentinians. Argentinians? Yeah. Think? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But you've got coastline and... Yes. And coastline. And then we have on west, uh, it's the Andes. So we yeah. share the Andes with Chile. And that's like the longest, yeah. Because geography really affects food as well, doesn't it? As well, yes. So you have lots of seafood. Do you have lots of seafood? We have seafood, yeah. We have seafood along the coastline that is full of like beach towns and different ports uh, that actually do exports. But that's where usually mainly is the seafood. And that's like a tradition. You go to one of these beach towns like here and you have to eat the seafood because it's super fresh. Yeah. Uh, But then also we have different... um, influences for instance in Patagonia in the south there are large uh, communities of Welsh uh, Welsh communities oh really yes <laughs> so they, and because the climate is much like colder you have all these and also German uh, cuisine okay. let's say so you have all these different mixes of dishes and you know uh, last names and yeah, yeah, and even that, like the architecture is also influenced. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And then you go to the north, which is where the probably warmer climates you will get. It's more, yeah, it's different. So you have the influence of Peru and yeah. uh, Bolivia. Yeah. And which part are you from? I am from the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the middle. It's called Buenos Aires province, yeah. which is like my hometown is five hour, four hour drive from the capital. Oh, okay. So, so it's still normal. quite a, a bit. Um, it's in the flat, like probably you heard Pampa or Pampa. Yes. Yeah, so it's like in the Pampa region. Yeah, it's flat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, what, what kind of food did you grow up eating then? What was the. Uh, a lot of pasta. My oh, grandma yeah. used to make pasta, homemade pasta, every Thursday for her and uh, my grandpa. And that was the big plan of the week, going to eat pasta after school to her place. Um, a lot of asado, which is our barbecue, mm. which is cooked um, on coal or actually wood, wood fire, delicious. And we don't add a lot of uh, sauces, maybe you've heard of chimichurri. Yeah. I think that's the most sauce that we would add, yeah. uh, if that's how you say it. Uh, and yeah, so basically that, and then probably some Spanish influence as well some seafood, my dad fishes, so he likes to yeah, cook yeah. fish and seafood. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds amazing. And sweet, obviously, because my grandma, because of my baby. Yeah, so what are, what are Argentine, well, what, is she oh. Italian sweets, which you do, or did she yeah, do a mixture? Yeah, well, when, I, when 
I started my blog, I started looking into some history of desserts, and some of them come from Italian yeah. background. Uh, we use in, I would say, I don't know, 80% maybe, uh, it's called dulce de leche, which people here call dolce, yeah. but it's not Italian. <laughs> it's called dulce, which means sweet. It's like yeah. a milk jam. I don't particularly translate it because yeah. it's not it's not caramel. It looks like caramel, but the recipe in itself is different. Yeah, right. Um, I just always assumed it was caramel. It's got that caramel um, taste, but um, yeah, it is. But it's basically milk and sugar, okay. which gets boiled down or simmered very uh, low temperature for super long hours, okay, like wow. thirty-four hours, stirring every now and then. And so no butter, no butter, oh, okay. no cream, yeah, right. nothing else. Um, Sometimes people add um, bicarb soda, which is what gets that caramel color. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously, because it's such a big industry over there, you get like flavor, dulce de leche, like mint, orange, dulce de leche. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have different types. You have like baking dulce de leche, which is like thicker. So it, it holds its shape and you can cut through it and it doesn't okay. go runny. But then you have like the... It's called traditional version, which is like more liquidy and more towards the caramel. So we spread it on toast or ice cream. Oh my God, so many options. <laughs> my mother used to make a, like a caramel sauce out of condensed milk, like oh, tins yeah. of condensed milk. Yeah. And, um, and that on ice cream. I just think that's my favorite combination, yes. vanilla ice cream and hot caramel. Oh my God. <laughs> Heaven. <laughs> that, that's actually one way to do dulce de leche. When I my first trip overseas was to the US, mm. back in the day, not that long ago, but <laughs> quite a bit, yeah, some years, there was no like Facebook or anything. I was living with a family and I wanted to bake for them and cook for them some traditional dishes. And the way to do dulce de leche was by boiling this condensed milk uh, tea. Yeah. And that was the closest I would get because I couldn't get it shipped or buy it in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. I feel now it's a bit more spread around, like globalization and yeah. Yeah. super interesting. And then the birthday cakes, yeah. are they, I mean, because we, you know, the birthday cakes here are all, you know, icing. Yeah. What are the birthday cakes? What was your grandmother making for the birthday um, cake? Oh, my grandma used to make uh, her most traditional and requested one was it's called uh, granizada which is like vanilla cake with chocolate chips but it's more towards a mud cake because it's super moist and very dense it's not like a fluffy sponge cake yeah obviously filled with dulce de leche <laughs> uh, obviously. obviously i mean like there's no birthday cake without dulce de leche for us that's what i always say and it is like the truth for us um, but that was it, or chocolate cake, like chocolate man cake. Uh, that's where, uh, those were her iconic ones. And then she also made a few that I believe is the Welsh, these recipes, which are like with fruits or prunes. Yeah, prunes. wow. Oh, they are delicious. Yeah. 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 Very Great Britain dish. Yeah, exactly. So it's very interesting, right? That like you have all these no different idea. mixes. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you bake with her? Yes, yeah. I did. So you learned all those? I learned. She was a big decorator as well with fondant cakes mainly. She didn't, I, I don't think she actually ever made or met the buttercream cakes because they came along, I think, in the industry later on. 
or at least they were not a big thing in, uh, even in our hometown. Uh, but I did, I learned and I was like, I remember going to her house and seeing the kitchen and seeing, okay, what cake are you doing now? What are your decorations? I would go to the back. So she had like a back kitchen um, where she saved all the decorations. And yeah, I remember learning, learning by seeing and by being standing next to her and learning how to cover a fondant, a cake with fondant, which I don't do now because I don't like it, but, yeah. and it's very hard, but yeah. yeah, I remember, and all my birthday cakes obviously were made by her. Yeah. Yeah. It's so lovely though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think, though, well, it's interesting because, um, you know, patisserie or the, you yeah. know, the, the pastry section of um, cooking, it's a lot harder, well, not Australia sounded so exotic and my idea of Australia was Kirk, you know, like surfing, hot weather, surfers, blonde people, <laughs> and then I came to Melbourne and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> totally different. But it's I, cultural here. Exactly, but I love that. So and great I, food. Great food. So I started actually discovering all these like Asian cuisines, Asian recipes that I for me, Asian dishes were Chinese food and all this stir fry and sushi. Yeah. And then I dis- started discovering all these different ingredients or, or ways to mix ingredients. But I never pictured myself doing that. My aim was to get something in the translation field, which yeah. is my background, and yeah. what I was doing before moving here. Yeah. And yeah. so the blog you started, was that um, a bit of a connection to home or... Um, know what what made you think, think about doing a blog I was I was always baking yeah and then it was one year that I was particularly ho- feeling homesick so I started going through my actually recipe book that I have that belong I have like three one belonged to the whole family so I have recipes written by my dad my grandma my sister my mom my aunt and I have one that I've been compiling myself and I started baking all these recipes and I always share them with friends via email yeah. or text message. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I can start sharing them in a more widespread way or, you know, with a little bit more reach. Um, so I started baking, 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 and then I discovered food photography as well because I wanted to make the recipes justice because I was like, okay, this is not working. The recipe is delicious, but the photos are like blue and the background was like not good. <laughs> So I started learning food photography, and that's how all oh, the blogs started to grow yeah. a bit. And people were liking the recipes because they were recipes that 
maybe they had already made because I already sent them to them. Yes. So that's how the blog got started. And that was called, was it always called En Casa? Yes, En Casa, because it means at home in Spanish. And that made me feel like at home, the smells were the same smells of my mom's kitchen. And I don't want to start growing. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And could you easily get the ingredients that you needed? Uh, yes, the hardest one was dulce de leche, which I had to either cook with uh, condensed milk. And uh, that took a bit of... Uh, quite a long research uh, and trial. I try different brands here in Australia. Um, but at the time for the blog, I was trying to manage. I was like, okay, I either do the condensed milk. Uh, and then in the blog, I was giving different options because the blog has a, because it's bilingual in Spanish and English, I have a, a bit of a following in Argentina. So they can easily access Dulce de Leche with whatever brand, budget, flavor they want yeah right but then i also had to cater for people here and in the u.s mainly or europe so yeah yeah but then the rest is flour butter eggs you know very traditional baking and then what was the step well how do you go from your blog to then <laughs> having a business yeah, yeah. so i was baking a lot yeah um, and taking all the leftovers, or not really leftovers, taking everything that I had after taking the photos to the office or to my friends, whatever event I had, barbecue, uh, cafe, whatever I was bringing. And then one birthday, a few friends, like four or five friends sat me down and they're like, Paula, you need to start selling this. Like try to reach more people and because in a way it was everything connected through my teaching and the translation of like oh you can actually show this part of the culture to people here which it was not easily easily found like alfajores or dulce de leche cakes you there are a lot of people that do them but i'm not sure if i couldn't find them online or what so i'm like oh maybe there is a, a gap there mm. So I started doing a lot of research, how to build a website, how to keep learning food photography, how to do social media, yeah. all these videos, um, everything, and even like how to set up a business, like here in Australia. And I guess too, because um, you've mentioned on your website that you know it's all safety approved and everything exactly. as well. Exactly. So no, so yeah. I had to go. I'm very self-taught, so and I'm very okay. Google, what, what, what? How do I do it? And then I contact the council, and I said, okay, what do I need to be able to do these recipes and these cakes? And I was, I'm not sure if very lucky or what, but they were lovely and they were very helpful and they uh, worked with me and they helped me. They came to my house and they were like, well, you can do this, this, this. Um, and at the beginning, I was a little bit all over the place. I, I, I wasn't very sure. I, I knew that I wanted to share my recipes and yeah. my product, but I wasn't sure who was my space and mm. my role in the, in the industry, let's say, here in Melbourne, because there are so many amazing bakers and yeah. amazing patisserie and bakeries. And with the years, slowly, I've been polishing like the branding and the colors and the message that I want to convey. Um, and this aspect of sustainability that that also took me a long time because all the packaging and yeah. the wrappers the stickers they are all either compostable that's my first goal and if i can't find anything compostable 
that also meets my um, the business and the stage where I'm at. I go biodegrader. Yeah. So also learning all that aspect. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. Well, it's full time, but I guess you were still translating at the same yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> I still had a full time job when I when I started. Uh, last year, I got the jump. I jumped to four days a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing four days working from home and then um, three days working for in casa and nights as well. That's usually how I split my days. So. Yeah. In a way, all the lockdowns and everything, they were very hard, but they, that was my survival kit. That's how I survived, yeah. mentally and physically as well. So do you make to order or do you, um, how does that work? Yeah, usually I have uh, some stock for alfajores, the altis in the Aussie slang. Uh, I usually try to have stock, except now in summer, I'm not stocking chocolate alfajores because they melt very quickly. Uh, and then cakes are always made to order, except for markets. And that's why uh, last year, when things started to open up, I started doing market weekends, no? Yeah. Um, markets on weekends. And that was a really yeah. good way to actually be able to talk to people and bring uh, like single serve cakes and things that people could try instead of buying a whole cake. Yeah, wow. And that was really, really good. So tell me about the alfa flore. Yeah, okay. that's a perfect pronunciation. <laughs> or alfies, you can call them alfies. Uh, they are like our Tim Tams. I explain it. It's like the Aussie, the Argentinian version of the Tim Tam or the Wagon Wheel. Or some people say, oh, they are like melting moments. Uh, basically, they are two biscuits, very crumbly biscuits of any flavor, either chocolate, lemon, walnuts, those are my signature flavors. And then uh, an alfajor is always filled with dulce de leche, this caramel, thick caramel sauce. And some of them are covered in chocolate, others have like coconut uh, or different decorations. And it's a massive industry in Argentina. Right, so you can buy you buy them in a packet like Tim Tams in Argentina. Or? You buy them in packets in the individual in the supermarket. Right. There are so many businesses, and it's something that Argentina is known for having a lot of crises, like economic crises. And when people are okay, I need a job, or I need a second job, or a little bit of more income. One of them being like, okay, you know, like ideas is alfajores because it works. Yeah. It's something very rooted to our culture. Right. Yeah. So you can find them in so many shapes. And usually it's around, but some people experiment with queer alfajores or tinier, more like bonbons, like little, you know, bites. Um, brownie alfajores. I don't know, like now everyone is starting to innovate and yes, it's Wow. And so apart from the, the Alfies, um, what, what else do you do? What Are your cakes like your grandmother's cakes? Or? Yes, yeah. most of them are my grandmother's cakes that I try to give them a twist to fit them in the Aussie as well, like flavors or style. Uh, my cakes are all very rustic uh, looking uh, I don't do like cute little decorations like that takes so long and people either don't eat them or you know 
I mean, uh, I, in my in my case, I'm like, no, I'd rather focus on top quality ingredients. Yeah. Nice looking cakes, but rustic. Yeah. Uh, some of them are my grandma's recipes. Others are recipes that I've been just developing uh, throughout the years. Wow. Or then I, I don't know. I I get inspiration just you know in life, and I'm like, oh my god, this com- this combination of flavors that I saw on a slice or a macaron or and I'm like, oh I'm going to try to take it into the cake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so um, so now in this kind of nebulous area <laughs> of COVID yeah. but yeah. not no lockdown, lockdown, no lockdown. Yeah. Um, where are you going to markets now? Well I'm going to start going to markets in March. Yeah. Uh, well I have one at the end of February. Hopefully it won't be that hot because yeah. that's why I stop at, after Christmas. I yeah. take a break, and usually in January it's a bit slow. I, I take I'm taking orders, um, but I don't do markets, and then I'll start doing them in February, March. Yeah. Which markets do you go to? Um, well, I'm a little bit all over the place, yeah. just to, so people from different suburbs can find me. I do Fitzroy uh, meals a lot. I've done Heidi. That's really nice market. I've done some of the craft markets in Mornington Peninsula, MU Plains. Uh, in February, I'll be in one that I've never been, that I'm very excited. It's in Elsternwick or Elwood, I think. It's yeah. called Born Local. Okay. Which nice. looks very nice and it has like music stages and very, it looks very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It'd be lovely for people just to meet you and talk to you because you, you know, because you're what? You've got, you know, you're so vivacious and passionate about what you do, and yeah. it really puts a, gives it a narrative already to the to the yes. product. So yeah, it's great. Yes, it's always super nice to meet people that come to the market and they say, "Oh my god, I saw that you were going to be here." And that really fills my soul, and it's it's like my like I'm very uh, how do you say grateful for that. And the way I bring them happiness through my cakes and my yeah. cakes. They give me happiness with, with this. Like they are supporting my small business and coming all the way to that specific market. I have some people that have been following me along, and that makes my day. Like not my day, my month, my year. It, it I can't believe. Yeah, I love that, and I think. Well, I think food does bring happiness, but I think when you're making it with such happiness and it's connecting you to your home and you're bringing that through, and then other people are loving your product. I just, I think it's. That's great. Very symbiotic and connected, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. And do you have your product in cafes or...? Uh, I'm slowly... I have one cafe and then another like a gourmet store. Uh, wholesaling is not really in my plans a lot because um, I don't... I want to, you know, give the time and it's only one person making them. I was going to ask you, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So I don't... I don't plan at this at this stage, like uh, in the short term. Uh, but yeah, I've been contacted by a few, uh, and if our business is aligned and the idea and everything, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And have you got Argentinians who are um, customers as well? Yes. Yes, I actually do. Um, slowly, I'm meeting. I haven't met so many Argentinians like in the last few years because of Encasa. Uh, they slowly are finding me either via market or either word of mouth, which is the best for me. They kind of uh, 
advertising, if yeah. you could say, because if someone recommends my products, and especially I think Argentinians, with my products, they have the highest bar. Yes. If an Argentinian likes my alfajores, that means the world. <laughs> because it's like, well, they know the stuff, you know, and they can compare it. And so, yes, slowly I'm growing my Argentinian clientele, let's say. <laughs> So if um, people want to buy, you know, to someone at home um, without going to a market or whatever, can they just contact you online and buy a bag or is it... Yeah, exactly. So I manage everything via my online shop. So they can go in there, browse the different flavors. I have the most popular one is the mixed uh, alfajores box. There are boxes of six and 12 units which is uh, how it's done in Argentina. So I don't know why, but I have like six and 12. And they can order there. And I offer Australia Express uh, shipping Australia-wide, except now in the warm months. Um, But then I also do local delivery or pickup. So that's the way. And then usually if they have any questions or concerns, they can contact me via Instagram or email. Uh, I usually prefer email because it's like I can keep track of the conversation and it's a, a little bit, not, not necessarily formal, but I don't miss on anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah it's really easy to miss things on no, Instagram. No, exactly. <laughs> so you know the messages and sometimes the app messes up the mm. order of conversations. So, but yeah, they can find me easily there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with the Chef with Paola de la Pena from In Casa Cooking Space. If you want to experience the greatness for yourself, which of course you do, you can follow at En Casa, that's at E-N-C-A-S-A, underscore cooking on Instagram and see all her beautiful creations. And you can order her treats and check out her recipes on her website, www.encasacookingspace.com. As for me, I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I would absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats and told them to listen. (laughs) And of course, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or click follow on Spotify so I know you're there. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and see you next time.